Welcome to Revive Her, a transformative space where we break down walls to unearth the incredible power that lies within every woman. We're your hosts, Haley and Noel. Dive into candid conversations about entrepreneurship, faith, and relationships, and the journeys that define us. Whether you're a woman who's walking the path of self-discovery or someone who desperately needs to feel understood, Revive Her is your safe space to learn, heal, and grow. Are you ready? Before we get into this episode, we want to start with a very strong disclaimer, and we want to be clear. This is not about bashing the church, and the retelling of each story has no intention to speak negatively about the church as a whole. We're addressing situations that have happened within church walls that have deeply impacted people with the intention of challenging your thinking and cultivating forgiveness and accelerating freedom from these situations so you can strengthen your relationship with Jesus and move on with peace in your heart. We want to thank each person who submitted a story for this episode. Thank you for being vulnerable and brave. I know that that was not easy to share. That being said, this episode is all about church hurt. And we asked you guys, we asked our community to share your stories of church hurt with us. So in this episode, we are going to be reading stories that were submitted to us, real stories that happened to real people. And we're going to respond to these stories and to these stories of church hurt in hopes that you guys can heal and move on and be inspired. Because most likely if you've been in church at any point, you probably have some type of church hurt, whether it's big or small. So our hope is that you hear these stories from other people and feel inspired to be able to forgive and move on and heal from it. We had a lot of stories submitted and Haley and I read through each of them. And we just want to thank you for sharing your heart with us. A lot of the stories were similar with church hurt with gossip and things that had been said. And so we really hope that this episode can help you with forgiveness. It can help you move forward and it can help you move past the hurt that you've experienced. So let's get into it. Noelle, read story number one. Okay, let's go. So I was married before my current hubs. We did everything right. He transferred his membership from downstate to our current town, did the marriage classes, everything. Things went south a few months after the wedding and we split up. I understand the church and a pastor wanting to save the marriage, but he flat out cheated on Mm. me. He was sending dirty pictures to one of my closest friends. Mm -mm. He was also addicted to porn amongst other things and had a drinking problem that he hid until we got married. The pastor at our church kept trying to force me to forgive him and wanted us to fix the relationship. He told me he didn't think I had a real reason for divorce. I brushed it off and told him it was my decision 100% to be done with the relationship. Then when I got with my current and we moved in together, he kicked me out of being able to help with children's church because I wasn't living up to their standards as a church since I was living with my significant other and we weren't actually married. Okay, cool. But then the girl who was the main head of children's church and the cafeteria started sleeping around on her husband and she was allowed to do all the things like normal at church, despite her and her husband being separated and her refusing to do the work to repair the marriage. I've never been back. Mm. So before we respond to this, I do want to say Noelle and I are by no means experts. Mm -mm. We are not responding in a way that is 100% 
whole. It's all biblically based and there might be more to it. There, You might could go deeper in, in our response, but I just want to say that we have read these stories, we've molded over and our responses are as biblically backed as they could possibly mm. be. So to respond to you in this story, first of all, I'm so sorry that you went through that. That, oh, that sounds horrible, but you have biblical grounds to divorce him on cheating alone. If it's possible to restore relationships, if there's remorse on his part and both parties are willing to work on it, that's obviously the best thing. So I do understand where the pastor was coming from and pushing that restoration, but it certainly isn't commanded biblically when cheating has happened. You do have biblical grounds to divorce. You're not in the wrong to divorce after an affair if that's what you choose. The church does have a right to enforce standards and we need standards. And, you know, I respect the church for having those standards, but it isn't right to live by double standards. It's not right living by double standards. So the other woman should have been asked to step down immediately. So that's where the church got it wrong. And, you know, I, I'll totally understand you have a right to be upset because it, it was a double standard. Yeah. They should have asked her to step down and that's just simply not okay. So in these situations, you have to be nurtured. The church has to nurture you, restore you. Then you have to be nurtured, restored and healed and then get back into the ministry. The church should never cast people aside because of sin. Our role is to help people uphold standards, disciple them, teach them, heal them, restore, and then have them return to their ministry. So what can you do to heal? Unfortunately, the church is made up of humans. We're all sinful and we all make mistakes. And that is church leadership included. Mm -hmm. We, I've seen this personally. You've seen this mm -hmm. personally. When you are involved in church leadership, it is a group of people who are doing their best, but unfortunately we are humans, mm -hmm. right? So in these situations, we have to look past the human and focus on Jesus. And this is hard. We mm -hmm. never want to discount that this is easy. It's mm -hmm. hard. But when we are hurt by the church, we should always go to the source of love because God himself is great at not hurting us, even though people have hurt mm -hmm. us. And when we go to church, we go to church for God. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't go to church for other people. We go for us and mm -hmm. for God. So because Jesus never makes mistakes, he never sins and he always has your best interest in mind. It's not right, but we have to understand that we aren't always the best reflection of Jesus because we mm -hmm. are human. Yeah. Yeah. I encourage you to pray about this. Pray for the church leadership by name. Pray for the person who hurt you by name. Our pastor has told us this, like since we've known him, yes. he's always said, if you are hurt by someone, the best way to get over that hurt is to pray for them by name. Mm -hmm. And when you're really hurt by someone, it is oh, really yeah. hard to pray for them by name. Like if Noel, I'm just using your name because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but like, <laughs> God, I pray for Noel for blah, blah, blah. Like I pray that Noel can see the error of her ways. Like I pray that Noel, blah, blah, blah. Like say their name out loud, pray for healing from that person. Pray that they grow, pray that they see the error of their ways and that they grow as a human too. Ask God to help you forgive. Ask him to help you focus on him and feel restored and peaceful to move on from it. Forgiveness is not easy. In fact, I think it's, Gosh, I think it's the hardest thing that mm -hmm. we do as Christians. Yes. But the truth is, is that forgiveness is not optional for Christians. Jesus even says, 
in Matthew 6, 15, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive you your sins. And that's like really difficult to hear. So remember all the wrong that you have done and that you have caused against God. And remember that you have been forgiven too. Forgiven people forgive. It's not easy, but it's going to make your life so much better. Yes, I agree. And please remember too, forgiveness, it is so hard, but forgiveness is not forgetfulness. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean that you're going to forgive them and it's going to be gone. It's like, you're never going to remember it again. You're never going to think about it. It just means that you are at peace with that person and you can confidently say like, I want what's best for Mm -hmm. them. Like I want to see them thrive. I want to see good happen to them. Yeah. And I even, I want to go a step further. Sometimes I think Christians push forgiveness and you think it means, or they, they make it sound like you have to be best friends with the person or you have to really like this person. And you have this whole uh, change in your mentality. And that's not, in in my opinion, biblically, I don't Mm -hmm. think that's even what it means. Like you can still dislike the person and not just jive with their personality. You can still not want to be around them. That's okay. But you cannot have contempt in your heart. Mm -hmm. You cannot have active negative feelings about them because that means you haven't forgiven them. But forgiveness doesn't mean you have to go be best friends and hug on them every time you see them either. Yes. So let's move on to story number two. It starts out with, shoo, do I have some church hurt? I went to the same church for eight years. I originally started attending church by myself and my family slowly started coming with me. My best friend's dad is the pastor and I love them and their family. However, I experienced church hurt from the leaders of the church when my 16 year old sister had a baby. I never thought things like that could happen to me and my family until she had her son. It was truly humbling and made me realize how judgmental I once was. However, my church hurt wasn't directly towards me, but my sister. She was excluded out of every youth trip because she did not fit the mold. It crushed me because someone like her needed community in Jesus more than ever. I loved church and the pastor, but certain leaders left me feeling angry. It was a hard situation because they were also nice to me, but watching how they labeled my sister and excluded someone who needed church more than anyone left me leaving the church. It's been a whole year since I went. A lot of things happened for me to make that hard decision, and I've struggled because I love the pastor so much, and I have a hard time connecting with other pastors and churches I've tried out. It was my first experience with church hurt and why churches get bad names. Mind you, the same people doing this to my sweet little sister had also done so many things in their past that would label them to be judged as well. But sinners turned Christians who have been saved and delivered forget where they started. It just goes to say it can happen to anyone in a church is supposed to build girls like my sister up instead of excluding her. I've not been the same since this church hurt. So first of all, this should have never happened. I can see how you're hurt and how your sister was hurt. And that breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. Your sister had her world turned upside down. I, as a mom, I cannot imagine how scary it was to be Mm -hmm. pregnant at 16 for so many reasons. I mean, I was pregnant in my twenties and I was still terrified, you know, so to be 16 and to have a baby and that has to be fearful. Then you have this fear of, Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, I have to tell my parents, like you're already feeling the weight of everything. And so that should have never happened Mm -hmm. from the church. And I would venture to say that these leaders that excluded her and treated her differently, they did not put themselves in her shoes. Because like you said, if 
if you really think about what it's like to be 16 and pregnant, God, I, I wish I could just go back in time whenever, you know, it happened and hug mm-hmm. her because yeah. I can't imagine how scary that was for her. Me either. But, you know, she could have chosen to have an abortion, mm-hmm. right? Which the church is completely against, mm-hmm. but she chose to have the baby and to raise it and to love it as God loves us. And there's love and forgiveness and restoration available mm-hmm. for your sister. She shouldn't have felt an ounce of being exiled because of her sin and because her sin was exposed. What if everyone's sin mm-hmm. was exposed? Oh, you know, yeah. oh, like yeah. that's that's something else that we forget while we're judging everyone is like, okay, what about if my sin was exposed? It's like the scripture, I think in Matthew about having a plank in your own yeah. eye like you look at the speck yeah. and everyone else's but you have a plank you have a dang plank in yours <laughs> like we yeah. all have sin and we say that because that's probably what the church was looking at that mm-hmm. she had sex before marriage at a young age and if we all had our sins exposed because let me tell you every single one of us sins mm-hmm. all of us we all fall short we all sin um, we wouldn't leave our homes because of how we'd be treated. And the church is a haven for hurt people to come to. But sometimes the church is the instigator of hurting people. And it should not be that way. It should not be that way. And this has to stop. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see this stop. Yeah. I want to rise up. I want to be a difference maker in this and in church leadership that the change has to start with us. Right. And we as church leadership as well, we need to pray about situations like this. Like, mm-hmm. Lord, if you're struggling with this, because I do want to speak to you if you're in church leadership and you maybe you're reading this and you're like, man, I've reacted like that mm-hmm. or man, I've acted that way. I want you to pray like, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Yes. And give me, help me have compassion. Help me have love. Help me embrace these people because we are a light for him. Yeah. And they can see his love through us. So what can you do to heal? And first I would, I'm going to start off to say like what we said to the first story is pray for these people by name. Mm-hmm. It's, it'll probably be hard. You, you may not want to, but pray for them by name. The hardest part of forgiveness is sometimes people don't ask for forgiveness or they don't even think they need to be forgiven. Church leaders, church mm-hmm. people, especially they think they're being so holier than thou. <laughs> yes. They think they're acting out God's word, which is they're doing it in such a wrong, misguided way. But it's it's super hard to forgive people who don't even think they need to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Harboring hurt and resentment turns to bitterness. Like that turns into bitterness and that bitterness becomes a root that infects every part of your life. And the thing about that is you don't see it at first. Like, you know, you're feeling hurt and you might feel a little bit of that bitterness, but You don't really realize how much that bitterness and resentment has taken root in your life until it's too late. And what I mean by that is it's infecting every part of you. Satan will constantly remind you of how you and your sister were done wrong. Every chance that he gets to remind you, he's going to take it. So remember that every time you're triggered or every time your sister's triggered by this hurt, know that that that's Satan inviting you to have bitter. That's him extending an invitation to you to feel a certain way. And let me tell you this, you can decline that invitation Mm -hmm. from the enemy. So it grows and it festers and it keeps this wide barrier between you and Jesus. Just know like, 
you're not alone. It's hard. It hurts. But moments like these require digging so deep to find it in yourself to forgive in the midst of that deep hurt because unforgiveness and hurt only harms you in the long run. And it's there. I want you to also know that there are Christians and church leaders in that church, even like I'm talking in general, but even in that church that absolutely would not and will not treat Mm -hmm. you and your sister the way that she was treated. And I know that you said in your story that you still love that pastor and his family. So that's a right there goes to show that not every church leader is so misguided. Not every church leader treats people this way. It's easy to forget that when the church hurt is so deep, but that group of leadership that hurt you and your sister isn't the whole leadership of that church and of any church. They had a chance to be like Jesus and the woman that was accused of adultery and simply say, go and sin no more and smother your sister in love. But they didn't because they had a misguided view of it. So just remember that story. And even like the woman at the well, like Jesus says, go and sin no more. Jesus says like you are worthy. Remember that Jesus holds a love for you and your sister and doesn't view her worthy of being left out. Yes. And I want to encourage you too. if you love that pastor and you love that family, go directly to him Mm -hmm. and say like, hey, I haven't been to church in a year and this is why Mm -hmm. this is what I'm struggling with, because pastors, for the most part, they are willing Mm -hmm. to correct leadership. And as leadership, leadership needs correction. Mm -hmm. And a part of being in church leadership is being submitted to that authority to be corrected Mm -hmm. out of love. And so go to him and say, hey, this is what happened. This is how I feel. This is what we've been through. And how can we work through this together? Because I want to be here with you. Mm -hmm. And I actually would go a step further and say, even before you go to the pastor, I don't know if you've done this or if your sister or your family has done this, I would go to that specific leadership first. And the reason I say this is they're the direct ones that hurt you. They may not even know they hurt you. I don't know the situation. I don't know if they know they hurt you. They may know they hurt you and they're like, ah, well, it is what it is because this is right and this is wrong. I don't know the situation there. But for me, I had a situation of deep church hurt when I was sexually assaulted. The pastor and his wife, uh, when I was 16, like, I guess they, I don't know really the details of what happened, but they got wind of something and they pulled me in their office and they called me a homewrecker and the pastor's wife sat there and she was like, I can't even look at you in the face. You make me sick Mm -hmm. and said that to me. And here I am thinking like, I had something taken from me. This wasn't my choice. Like, first of all, even if it was, I'm 16, it's statutory at that point. Like Mm -hmm. I was manipulated. I was groomed. So even if I was a willing participant, the 16 year old girl is still not at fault here. It's like the adult. So I carry that for more than a decade of being hurt by these people. And like when I was in therapy, I learned that I don't need anything from those people. They don't determine my happiness. They don't determine my bitterness. They don't have any hold over me. But what the step that I had to take to like really put it to rest in my heart was meet with them. So like more than a decade later, I hadn't seen these people since that time. I hadn't spoken to them. So I called them up randomly and I was like, hey, can we meet? Uh, We need to talk about something. So I met them at the well coffee shop and I just laid it all out. And I was like, this is what happened. This is how you hurt me. This is how you made me feel. And I was firm in the conversation too. I was like, 
I don't like if it's okay. I don't want you to respond to anything that I'm saying until I say what I need to. And I laid it all out there. But the thing is, they didn't respond well. That conversation didn't go how I'd hoped it went. And technically, if I had let my worth be in what they said, my forgiveness and be in what they said, I would have walked away from that conversation, not forgiving them because yeah. they didn't give me the response that, you know, ideally I would have wanted, but thank God again, because of therapy, I didn't need anything from them. I just yeah. wanted to be heard yeah. and it didn't, I don't care if they were sorry. I didn't care if they understood me. I didn't care if they took responsibility. I just wanted to be heard and be like, this is what you did wrong. This is how you wronged me. I forgive you and I'm moving on. And that's exactly what happened. And so if you haven't done that, I want to tell you it's hard. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. But I really encourage you and your sister or your sister, your family, whoever, meet with the people and just be like, we feel like this is what you did. This is how you made us feel. This is the situation. And I just want to tell you, like, I forgive you. And they may not think they need forgiven, yeah. you know, like keep that in mind, but yeah. like that lifts such a burden off of you. It's not about them. It's about you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it really is. Like they, like Noelle said earlier, they're broken people. They, they're sinful people. We hold church leadership to such a higher standard. They're just like us. Mm -hmm. they, they sin like us. They're broken like us. And they make mistakes like us. So I want to end out our response to this with a verse in Matthew 18. It says, he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. And this is just saying that he wants to repair people. He wants to repair you and your sister, mm -hmm. that broken or sinful people, people that make mistakes, they're still important and meaningful. You and your sister, your sister, especially, because I know that, you know, that's the root of where the hurt is. Your sister is not broken. Your sister in the eyes of the church made a mistake and that's it. Plain and simple. Move on. Like church people move on. Yeah. The church is responsible for hurt people and we're responsible for the people who need guidance and love and support. I want to add one last thing to this too, is for your sister that her having a baby at 16, that will be one of the biggest parts of her testimony one oh, day. Yeah. And having a baby at 16, that's not hindering her. Like one day she will literally use that as her testimony mm -hmm. and it will help someone else who is in that same season. Like I can see your sister right now just rising up and mm. leading these like women's right groups. Yeah. yeah, like leading women's groups, like leading these just broken teens that are pregnant and feel like they have no hope and no, just nobody knows what they're going through. Like mm -hmm. she can be that source of light for them despite being hurt. Yeah, and both of you, our walk, you're, you may not see it like when we're in those hard moments, but you're walking, you're living out your testimony right now. Like God mm -hmm. is building that testimony. And when you get to that place of being able to finally forgive, you both are going to feel so free. And then you can start yeah. telling your story yeah. from a place of healing, from yes. a place of freedom. And just like Noelle said, you are going to make such an impact. Mm -hmm. And oh, I have chills even thinking about it. Yeah. So I hope some of that is helpful and encouraging to you. And just know that we love you. Our listeners don't know who you are, but like, I know that our listeners are going to rally around you guys yeah, just hearing this definitely. too. All right, let's move on to story number three. Okay. So I was raised in a pretty hyper fundamentalist environment, Pentecostal holiness. There was such a focus on women in dresses, men with short hair, no jewelry, no TV, no sports. And the list goes on and on. Being the overthinker I am, I began to doubt some of these standards because they were not scripture. 
This sent me down the path of studying the word of God for myself and out of the holiness movement. Though I'm stronger in my faith than ever, many of my friends have denounced me as a Christian. I've been unfollowed, unfriended, ignored, and talked about simply because I made my faith my own. I've tried a lot to talk to some of the people when I see them, but they won't have anything to do with me. This is not exhaustive, as there are still some who treat me as a brother. But the sad truth is anyone who leaves the movement is treated this way. This is by far nowhere near the amount of church hurt that people generally experience. But I did want to share. Mm. This immediately makes me think of in Matthew 15, when the Pharisees were like bawling out on Jesus and like being like, dude, you're eating without washing your hands. Like this is the law of the land. Like, how are you eating without washing your hands? (laughs) And Jesus is like, he responds and he's like, what comes out of your mouth is what defiles people. It's not traditions of man. It's not what we wear. It's not what we watch on TV. It's what comes out of your mouth. I encourage you to read Matthew 15 and really get this example of that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. And like when I read that or when I hear that story, like I think of the Pharisees and how they treated Jesus. But this is legalism at its finest here. Mm -hmm. As far as women in dresses and wearing jewelry, I'm sure that there is an underlying belief that it's modest. And I'm sure that that's like the foundational belief there, but Christian women can have modesty in other Mm. things than a dress. Women can dress in many type of garments and still be modest. You can wear something other than a dress and still be biblically modest and honor Jesus. Just because you wear a dress doesn't mean you bring more glory to his name than if you wear pants or something else that is equally as modest. And as far as TV and sports, it's essentially the same. Like media is used for both good and bad. There's a ton of solid Christian and clean entertainment. Should we be watching things that don't honor God? Duh, of course not. If it isn't edifying our spirit and it's filthy, sure, we shouldn't consume that. But there's plenty of things that don't directly go against God. It's about balance, in my opinion. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the church can think that these things take away our focus or our time with God. And while it can, if you're still spending time with God and you're edifying your spirit, you're making time for him in your daily routine, there's absolutely nothing wrong with someone enjoying entertainment. Right. And many times scripture is taken way out of context and we focus on the lesser message Mm -hmm. and we miss out on the big picture and the heart that Jesus is talking about in his word. I've seen this happen so much. And I do feel for you because a short period of my life when I was younger, I was raised in the same Mm -hmm. denomination. I was raised in the same church. And so I was around the same beliefs. And I feel like that it's limiting beliefs and it can be limiting in your relationship. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful that you and me, we both broke out of that, but we see also that there is scripture and that we made an effort to read ourselves and to learn ourselves and to not just believe everything that was passed down from generation to generation to generation, Mm -hmm. but to do our own research. Mm -hmm. And so Ultimately, God is looking at your heart and your intention, and God doesn't look at a list of how we live to a T, but our hearts for Him and our obedience to Him. Mm -hmm. And to treat anyone differently because of how they believe isn't how Jesus treated Mm -mm. people. Jesus directly spent time with tax collectors and sinners so He could be a light. And when you think of that, when Jesus did that, 
who was mad over that? Mm-hmm. Like who was upset over right. that? Right. People, the, the Pharisees were like, why are you eating <laughs> exactly. with these people? Like, why are you sitting with them? And one thing to remember is, yes, he was sitting with them. Yes, he was eating with them. Yes, he was loving on them, but he wasn't acting like them. Right. 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 He wasn't adapting to who they are. He was influencing them. Mm-hmm. And so shining in exile is directly unchristlike. Mm-hmm. So what can you do to heal if you have experienced this? And like Noel and I know so many people who have been in this Pentecostal holiness movement and like have come out of it and have so much trauma there. Yes. And I imagine that the nation of Judah felt similarly when Babylon arrived to capture and cart off its first group of exiles from Jerusalem. If you go back to the Old Testament and you read about Israel and Judah, all of that, I imagine that they felt the same. They felt so similar. In Jeremiah 29, the prophet sends a letter to the elders of the exiles. God gives the exiles interesting commands specifically about how to live faithfully during the difficult season of exile that they were enduring. So like he was like build houses and live in them, plant gardens, eat produce, etc. And what's amazing to me is that instead of simply saying, hang out until I relieve your burdens, God explicitly commands his people to invest in their circumstances. In other words, he's saying bloom where you're planted. So our advice is to bloom where you're planted. Focus on Jesus. Understand that the people putting you in exile simply misunderstands Jesus and his word. They probably have good intentions, but fortunately, it's only about what Jesus says and what his word says. Surround yourself with people who have found the truth in scripture, such as yourself. It sounds like you've found freedom, so just revel in it. I know Haley and I, we have had this discussion before, and we've talked about how we refuse to participate in like religious what what was it like traditions like yeah. we, were, we we are like the cycle breakers when yeah. it comes to participating in these things that have been passed down like I said earlier from generation to generation to generation like silly stuff mm-hmm. remember we were talking about that on a trip one time and it's like if it's not in scripture why are you doing it yeah are and you, like we we go through traditions of man like so many I think it's good to question your faith because like so much of what we believe it's just tradition. It's like yeah. actually not even biblical. <laughs> right, like when right. you get in the scripture yourself, you're going to find that there's so many things that it's just been taught from the church and it's mm-hmm. not actually biblical. Right. We want to invite you to revive your spirit by meditating on this scripture, Romans 8 and 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose, even through all of the church hurt. If you hold faithful, if you love Jesus, if you seek him, then all things will be okay. And if you want to go deeper, download our free seven day guide to revive your spirit in the show notes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.